Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of a head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. In the next few weeks over this period, I would like to introduce new followers to some of the past guests of Heads Talk, and in parallel, some of the great conversations I've had with C-suites of multinationals about the topics of the day in their area of business. I do hope you enjoy this Look Back series, and I have enjoyed sharing the first set of Look Back episodes late last year and very early this year. Um, There will be two guests in each episode and they will be introduced accordingly. This episode is a professional services um, episode. There are two leading figures from the big four professional services um, in this episode, so a nice little treat for you listeners. Let me introduce you to Kevin Ellis, Chairman and Senior Partner at PwC. Here's our conversation um, in the height of the pandemic. Um, I think it's really important, has been really important during the last year to constantly communicate. Because otherwise, if you leave a vacuum, the vacuum can get filled by negativity or concern Mm -hmm. that's unfounded. So I think as a leader, you've got to tell people when the business is doing well, business is doing well. When their jobs are safe, their jobs are safe. The fact we're not going to use furlough, we're not going to use furlough. The fact that we're going to take on all the people who've been offered jobs on time as planned, however the business is doing. Mm -hmm. All of those are really important things to do. Where at times someone asks me a question about what we're going to do about this. Are we going to do vaccinations in the office? Are we going to do testing in the office? I will regularly say, look, we don't know yet, but immediately we know. I'll tell you or we'll put it on our COVID microsite. So I think it's, I think it's important that if you if you back away and either don't answer or don't engage, you leave a vacuum, and that vacuum gets full, gets filled effectively by uncertainty. So I think in terms of this world we're in at the moment, the pandemic and all the worry and concern, it's really important to have a constant dialogue. If you have a constant dialogue, you won't know the answers to everything. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you were doing this before the pandemic, or has the pandemic made it easier generally for you to say I don't know? Um, we were doing it before. I've had to, I, what I've found during the pandemic because of the uncertainty and fear is to effectively increase the level of communication because the, the if you leave the void, the void gets filled by negative, negative forces. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, let's talk about the relationship between the audit and consulting practice. It's been in the news recently with the competitions and market authorities. What is the relationship between the two in PwC and how do you ensure there's no conflict of interest? Yeah, we've got very strict rules that um, effectively governed by the different countries of the world in terms of what what constitutes conflict of interest. And obviously we obey those rules Mm -hmm. and we have a subcommittee of the board that oversees that. Um, But at the end of the day, um, whatever business you're doing, the world has become so complex and businesses themselves become so complex that you do need a multidisciplinary firm to both do audit and do consulting. the insights you can get in doing an audit. If you're doing the audit of a financial services business and it's got complex derivative instruments, it's unlikely as an auditor 
that you will be able to audit effectively those complex derivative instruments. So you will look to someone in your consulting business that advises financial services industry on those complex derivative instruments. And that happens all the time. You know, during the pandemic, if you're doing a going concern opinion, i.e. saying whether a company looks like it can survive uh, with reasonable certainty for the next 12 months um, and, and meet its liabilities as they fall due, um, as an auditor, you'll have a good view on that. But it'd be better to get a second, second opinion from someone from an insolvency background. So we've seen a five-fold increase in the amount of hours that our insolvency and restructuring people have spent supporting our audit business, getting the going concerned opinions correct. Um, therefore, I think it's really important to do a good audit, your multidisciplinary firm, and to have top talent. You can attract people in, they can learn their skills right across our business, get the best view of business as possible, mm -hmm. so that whatever, whatever end game they go, whether working for us or working for somebody else, they get the training, they get the insight, they get the support and learning so that they become the best version of themselves. That also helps that social mobility point. You know, every year a business like mine recruits 4,000 people and 4,000 people will leave us. So if you've got a diverse, inclusive workforce from a socially mobile background, that is enhancing the talent across all industry and all professions because people move on from us and they have that opportunity and aspiration from us that helps them get to other jobs as well. Jay Persaud, um, Vice Chairman of ENY. I loved my preliminary conversation with Jay. We really clicked and understood each other very well. Um, I Jay is based in the US and I kind of wished during my tenure in um, the professional services organization, I had a chance to meet and work with Jay. He's kind of my kind of guy that I'd love to um, work with. Um, have a listen to our frank conversation. Jay, how do you define leadership today? Oh, Elaine, you ask big questions. <laughs> uh, so um, defining leadership, I mean, oh my goodness, there have been thousands of books written on this, I'm sure. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe the way I think about it, uh, and certainly it's become very evident over the past couple of years during the pandemic. Um, for me, leadership is something that, it, that, that, that has two parts. Uh, one is, one part is what your team gives you. Uh, leadership has to be gifted to you by your team. They have mm -hmm. to be willing uh, to let you lead. Not to be confused with the other part, which is authority that's imparted upon you mostly by the organization that you work for. Mm -hmm. So there are rules, there are controls and those things, we execute on them, call them operating activities, if you like, um, that you know we all learn that in our careers and we do it almost automatically, but that's not to be confused by the thing that's most important to your teams, which is to inspire them. Mm -hmm. um, and inspiration uh, is hugely important. You know, the, the, you have to paint a vision of the future, especially, Elaine, as you think about the last couple of years, the dark moments that we began this pandemic. Mm. Uh, I think good, good leadership <clears throat> required that each of us found a way uh, to make sure that we could see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is becoming brighter. So that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. and inspiration, um, you have to listen to people. You have to make sure that you are there and that you not only do you hear the words but you act on them and mm -hmm. then we have lots of surveys that we've done on the farm studies 
uh, focused on empathy and things of the like, where, you know, just about everybody want, they, they want the leader, they want the, the, the employer to be able to, to be authentic, to be able to act when they hear what the employees want or what the teams want. Mm -hmm. And that at the end of the day, uh, people have to feel like their words and their actions, their words result in actions and their thoughts are the ones that are being listened to by the leaders. So they, they, it's, it's much more personal, I, I think from my perspective, Elaine, right now, you know, it's a time where we have to overinvest in making sure that we are connecting with each of our teams and the leader's responsibility is primordial and all of that. Okay. What, what would you say is out in, in terms of a, a trait that was once there for leaders? Ah, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's that part where yeah, I remember this when I was growing up in my professional life that you know, I, I would look at the people who would be leading the teams that I served on where it was important for them to, what's the right word, to seem somewhat invincible, that they know everything. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes. They, they, um, so, you know, it, it, you had to be the person that, that would be viewed as being almost yeah. infallible, yeah. you know. And certainly, I think the vulnerability and the authenticity that I was referring to earlier you know, what goes hand in hand with that is, is the individuals or the leader's ability to demonstrate that and to show uh, that we really don't know everything. Mm. Far from it, in fact, because the world is changing so quickly. And so much of what we need to do, we have to depend on other people to yeah. identify the issues and to help us to find the right answers. So I think vulnerability is absolutely critical. And I think in the past, we used to look at that trait as something akin to weakness. And I think that's definitely out of the equation today. Hmm. Just as a side question, um, you, you said it twice and I've heard it um, loads of times, authenticity, authenticity. What exactly do we mean by that? Well, um, who are you? So Elaine, if, if you go into you know, your job, right? You, you go into your team, you go into your workplace, um, and you step into that room and you're there with a group of people, uh, do, you, do you show them who you really are? And let's say you're the leader of the team, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you bring a bunch of experiences with you and there's an expectation in that room that you know what to do. Mm -hmm. But do you feel secure enough to say to that group that you may only know half of what needs to be done and that you need to draw on the expertise of others? Um, to me, that's a big part of this. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I mean, you, I, you see me on video here. I mean, people on this podcast won't see me, but I, I live in the United States, so I'm a visible minority. Mm -hmm. And I have a background. I've lived in a number of different countries and I speak other languages. But um, as I sort of adapted to this country, you know, it took me some time to sort of get used to the fact that uh, some of the things that I would bring with me would not come from the community with which, you know, within which I was working to begin with. Mm -hmm. I had to get used to demonstrating that, you know, I brought a bunch of things to the table that were different and that in some ways almost insist on sharing them. And I think it's, it's not only is it the, the knowledge part of it, it's also the, the experiences, the culture, you know, that you bring with you mm -hmm. into an organization. I think each of us 
sometimes feel a little bit shy about sharing that, but it's on us to, to sort of step up and share it. Um, and I think the sum total of that team, you know, people talk about diversity. For me, you know, the, the inclusion of different people, diverse people, if you like thought, looks, what have you, mm -hmm. that's the thing that creates unique culture, right? And, and each of us contribute to it. Um, and we should contribute to it by bringing ourselves there. And then the sum total of that, which is the biggest challenge of leadership, is to sort of manage all of that, right? Mm -hmm. Then you come up with something that's really unique. Some people refer to it as, as the secret sauce of organizations. We talk about it that way in EY, and we try very hard to make sure that the teams that we put together, um, people are different, and that it takes a little bit longer sometimes to get to the answer that you want to link, right? Yeah. But, yeah. but once you get there, I think you develop the kind of organization or the kind of team being more specific that over time will be far more effective because then you get the best out of everyone who's there. Mm. You know, I, I could actually do this episode just on this one question and talk some more about it. I think I've got a couple of questions swimming in my head about that, but we, ha we have to move on um, and, and, and let's look closely at your role, um, especially during the last 18 months, you've touched about, you've touched upon it in answering the, the first question. How would you say, if at all, the pandemic has modified your Jay's activities in the leadership space? Oh, um, well, let me just maybe go back a little bit, Elaine, to the beginning of all of this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, in the I beginning. Mean, <laughs> in the beginning, in February of 2020, <laughs> which is when we in this country figured out that this was a really serious thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we had to, it was a crisis that none of us could really visualize would last this long, mm -hmm. right? You know, we had in our minds and, and, and my job, part of my job is, is crisis management. Um, we had in our minds that this would be something that, you know, we would kind of get through in a few months. Mm -hmm. notwithstanding that we didn't really um, have a playbook for it. I mean, we had a playbook for crises, right? Yeah. yeah. But, and we had exercises for, for pandemics and the like, but we had never seen one before. And so, I mean, the change, the big change was just an, an incredible amount of work um, just at the very beginning of it. And, and as you know, in crises, the most important thing is that you have clear, you know, lines of command, right? You have to have, you can't have 10 different people trying to sort of make the rules, mm -hmm. communicate them. You have to have a, a direct line from the, the top of the organization, clear lines of communication, constant communication and clarity as to who's responsible for what. So we made sure all of that was put in place and that we know how to do. Um, and then we constantly communicated. Um, the big change for me, because I had never lived through anything like this before, was that I had to sort of just accept, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, right from the beginning that I didn't really know, you know, what to do uh, when it came to the science behind this virus. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, certainly I wasn't alone in that. I, I, I think most of us didn't know, but, but my, in my mind, you know, I'm responsible for this. People are looking, looking to me, I should know, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, but did not. And so anyway, the 
we, we went out and we found experts and we hired them um, and we did the best we could. But that, that big change for me was, was this expression of, 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 what's the word I used earlier, vulnerability, yes, right? Yes, yes. And actually saying to people, saying to our organization of thousands of people that, you know, here's where we are, here's where we think we're going, yeah. <laughs> um, here's what we know, and here's what we don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And being very open with that right at the beginning, and then as time passed, um, the the knowing part of the, the knowing column of the page became bigger, mm-hmm. <laughs> not known, mm-hmm. started to get smaller, but <clears throat> it was an exercise in the thing I said at the beginning of this podcast, Elaine. Yeah. And sort of, you know, making myself the example of somebody, you know, being as vulnerable uh, as I needed to be. And obviously, I I must have received from people, you know, thousands of emails with suggestions, right? Yeah. About what we should do. Some yeah. of them yeah. were extremely yeah. helpful, um, as you can imagine. But it created a level of dialogue within our organization, uh, even in a crisis that, you know, I, I was frankly surprised at. And, and, and in some ways, extremely supportive yeah. you know me and, and a team that was working pretty hard to try right. to get us through it. now that concludes this episode of the look back series i hope you enjoyed these snippets and do check out the full original episodes in the show notes Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinational. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.